One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Finding the right person for the job isn't easy. Just ask someone who hired a lounge singer to be their office receptionist. Hello, this is Mickey Marquis, and you've reached the office of Doug and Associates. <laughs> Thank you very much. Catch me Tuesday nights at the Hotel Johnson. Hello? But if you've got an insurance question, you can always count on your local GEICO agent. They can bundle your policies, which could save you hundreds. Doug and Associates, this is Mickey Marquis. Hello? For expert help with all your insurance needs, visit geico.com slash local today. Charles didn't have just any coronary artery disease. He had Charles's coronary artery disease. Michelle didn't have just any heart attack. She had Michelle's heart attack. At VCU Health Poly Heart Center, we know every heart is unique. And as Virginia's only nationally ranked heart program, we'll keep them beating healthy and strong. VCU Health Poly Heart Center. Learn more at vcuhealth.org slash heart. And here we go again. Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to today's podcast of the Miller Frost Show. Hope everyone is having a good week so far. I can't believe it is already Wednesday. Holy crap. This week is flying by. By the way, I am your host today, Miller Frost, and I am here as always with my fake black friend, white boy Malcolm X. If you want to get hold of me, you want to send me some nasty emails, hey, I can handle it. I am an adult. My email is miller at millerfrostonline.com. You can also reach me on Parler, and my handle there is at millerfrost. And first off, because we are already late to the party on this, and before we do anything else in this program, I want to wish all of you women out there a happy belated Women's Day, because I know we missed that. I think that was on Monday for all you gentlemen out there, because, you know, folks, I am the wokest person I know. I'm pretty woke, right? So I want to also recognize all you gentlemen out there who identify as women. Hey, happy Women's Day to you as well. Hope you had as good a day as the regular lady folks, but hey, we don't judge here on the Miller Frost Show. You all do what you need to do. You do you. And before I also forget, screw you, Apple, part two. So yes, yes, White Boy Malcolm X, screw you, Apple, part two. And if you're like, Miller, what the heck was part one? Well, folks, on Sunday's podcast, I was talking about on my Apple Watch, I had Myth Cooper. Anderson Cooper was there as an exercise option. I don't know what that queen was doing there, but you could hit this, select this thing, and it's walking with Anderson Cooper. And it was like this 36-minute program, and I didn't want to touch it because I didn't want to trigger anything. So now Anderson's gone because I asked Apple, I said, get that queen off my watch, but and they did it, right? So Anderson's gone, but they put on some woman named Min Jin Lee on my watch, and I had no idea who this chick was. So I had a Googler, and she's right there. She's got a website. She's a writer of some sort. And right there on the front page of her website are two praises. One is by Barack Obama. And if you don't know who Barack Obama is, he is a former president who called Pete Buttigieg a pocket queen. Well, he didn't really call him a pocket queen. He just said he was gay and he was short. But that's basically a pocket queen, right? And she was also praised by the New York Times. So she's some leftist writer. That's all I can ascertain from that. And so now I guess it's going to be this rotating celebrity leftist folks on my watch from this point forward. So Apple, screw you ad infinitum. If you're going to keep doing this to my watch, I'm going to throw the damn thing away. Okay, not really, because I do like my Apple watch. I'm going to have to suffer through (laughs) all this woke crap on my Apple watch. Good God. And one last thing, folks, before we jump into the news quick hits, because this is kind of a preview on today's podcast. I have to say, I don't know what I have done to deserve this, but I am truly blessed. Yes, White Boy Malcolm X, I am truly blessed. And how I am truly blessed, folks, I have not one, but two really good smoking gun stories and 
the best part, they're both in Florida. So, And I'm looking at them today, getting ready for show prep, and I'm like, I don't know which one to end the show with. So normally, if I have two smoking gun stories that are really good, I'll take one, I'll put it in the middle of the pile, but this time we're going to mix things up a little bit, and I'm going to stick them both back-to-back. So we're going to end this podcast with two back-to-back smoking gun stories, two human train wrecks out of Florida. I know there's a little redundancy there, but that's how we're going to wrap the show up. I we're going to have some fun towards the latter half of the program, but hey, hang in there. It's going to be a good show regardless. And, and I normally say, folks, that the Lord giveth, but the Lord also taketh away, right? So he gives me two fantastic smoking gun stories out of Florida, but usually, usually that costs me something, right? but not this week, not this week. So I don't know what I have done that the Lord is smiling down upon me, and I know you atheists out there are just raging at your at your phones right now, wherever you're listening to this podcast. But hey, it is as it is. Don't judge God or you're going to go to hell. But the Lord not only gave me two smoking gun stories out of Florida, but the Lord also giveth me two, not one, but two teacher bait stories. So White Boy Malcolm X, this could be the best podcast ever, ever with this. Two teacher bait stories and two Florida smoking gun stories. But enough of bragging about that because we want to get to that, right? So let's go ahead and jump in with our news quick hits before we dig into our stories. First one up is from Blaze Media. Reporter robbed at gunpoint while investigating robberies in San Francisco. God. So right off the bat, this poor schlub gets robbed talking about robberies. And here are a couple pull quotes. KPIX-TV reporter Don Ford was covering a flurry of smash-and-grab car thefts in San Francisco's Twin Peaks neighborhood. And I tell you what, folks, San Francisco? Gone to hell in a handbasket, just like New York. He was interviewing residents in the area about the rise in crime. While preparing for a TV segment about the robberies on Wednesday, he became the victim himself of a robbery. A white sedan pulled up to where Ford was getting ready to film. Three men exited the vehicle and held Ford at gunpoint. The bandits, one armed with a Glock handgun, stole the news channel's camera in less than a minute. So this poor guy, Don Ford, out there talking about smash and grabs. And I hear that's a real bad problem out there. I mean, if your car hasn't been broken into in San Francisco, it's just a matter of when, not if. So this poor guy, I hope they get the camera back. Those things are not cheap. From Boston.com. Men arrested for placing anti-mask stickers on Manchester City Hall. And that is Manchester, New Hampshire. And yes, folks, COVID Karen in New Hampshire is not happy. Three New Hampshire men were arrested in recent days for placing anti-mask stickers on Manchester City Hall, Manchester police say. Police said Monday that they learned that many stickers criticizing the COVID-19 mask mandate were placed on doors at City Hall, along with trash cans and traffic sign poles. They made reference to living in fear, citizens being controlled, and masks being a sign of cowardice. Not only were the stickers inappropriate, but very difficult to remove, police said. Oh, it's so hard being you. It's called Goo Gone, buddy. That gets rid of everything. So I guess I guess live free or die is dead in the state of New Hampshire. If you, if you protest that, they are going to arrest you if you put any stickers. I tell you what, though, if they had gotten spray paint and spray-painted Black Lives Matter all over every piece of city-owned property. They probably would have gotten a key to the city, but they put some stickers around, right? And so COVID Karen up in New Hampshire, and the police got a little butthurt about it, so they arrested them. They're going to do some time in New Hampshire. This is from Just the News. FBI official, no shots fired by rioters, no firearms recovered during siege on U.S. Capitol. Hmm. Let's find out more about that. Here are a couple pull quotes there. No firearms were recovered on the U.S. Capitol grounds on January 6th during the riot, and no shots were fired by the demonstrators, an FBI official on Wednesday told Congress. To my knowledge, we have not recovered any firearms on that day from any of the arrests at the scene at this point, said Jill Sanborn, assistant director of the FBI's counterintelligence division. No one has been charged with a firearms violation. Well, White Boy Malcolm X, I have a question for you, because I thought this wasn't a riot. I thought this was a coup. I thought this was a coup d'etat. They were looking to overthrow 
the federal government of the United States. I mean, I have folks, I just did a search on the news about coup d'etat, and I found articles from the Washington Post, from Newsweek, from the New York Times, from Politico, The Atlantic, CNN. It went on and on and on. Vanity Fair did stories on this. National Geographic, of all odd places, also did a story on the coup attempt in the United States, right? They were going to overthrow the government. And the question I have is, who attempts to overthrow a government and forgets to bring the guns? <laughs> who does that, right? You have to have arms, right? If you're going to assault the capital of the United States and hold it and, and throw overthrow the government, you really should bring guns, right? But apparently, they forget the guns, right? No guns at a coup attempt to overthrow this government, right? No guns. Oops, we forgot all the guns. But they managed to bring the dopey shaman, right? They managed to bring this guy, Jason Shansley, to the coup attempt, right? He's dressed up like a stupid shaman, shirtless, that big stud running around. Now, he's also a big crybaby, right? Because he blamed Trump for everything. He's trying to get himself out of jail. Apparently, I did see in a news article, they're keeping his ass locked up in jail until trial. So his life is basically over, right? They brought the shaman along. They brought that poor old gentleman who sat in Nancy Pelosi's chair. And I guess he took an envelope. I saw a news article where he took an envelope. They're charging him with felonies related to sitting in her chair and trespassing and stealing federal property, a stupid envelope. So he's in jail. His poor wife is disabled and living alone. He's the caretaker. And his ass is in jail until trial, I hear. But, you know, they bring those two losers, but they brought all these other weirdos, but they didn't bring any guns. So I don't know what kind of lame-ass coup attempt this was, but it was an epic failure all around. It was a halfway decent riot, don't get me wrong, but you folks in the media, you need to change that narrative because I don't think anyone at this point believes it was a true coup attempt. Speaking of National or International Women's Day, this is from the post-millennial International Women's Day narrative hijacked by trans rights activists. And who couldn't see that one coming? Here's a couple pull quotes from that. Monday marks International Women's Day, and along with it comes a fight to control the narrative surrounding women, women's rights, and the global condition of women and girls. Many women's groups took the opportunity to make visible their causes around the world, from lifting women and girls out of poverty to ending female genital mutilation. Trans rights activists made use of the platform to proclaim their assertion that trans women, gender nonconforming biological males who identify as transgender, are in fact women. And that article, folks, goes on and on and on, back and forth on Twitter. All the fun I am missing out on not being on Twitter. But they did have a couple quotes. And this one, folks, is from Juno Dawson, who is a trans-identifying author. And this one, White Boy Malcolm X, I want you to listen very, very carefully to this. There are a lot of gay men out there who are gay men as a consolation prize because they couldn't be women. That was certainly true of me. Did you know that, White Boy Malcolm X? Did you know that gay men out there, there could be, I don't know how many gay men out there are out there. They really just wanted to be women, but they went gay. <laughs> I don't know if that's gay for pay or what, but they went gay instead of being women. So I guess now they have that option, right? So you better be careful. And you queens out there, and I know who you are, right? You queens out there, you better, next time you go out on a date, you better make sure that they really want to be there as a man. They don't want to be a straight woman banging you. Because that is going to wind up, you're going to wind up just like that Elliot Page situation where this poor, her whatever her wife's name was, she met Elliot and she married Elliot as a woman and she was like a great lesbian couple. And all of a sudden, you know, Ellen becomes Elliot and she's like, nah, I don't want to deal with you anymore. I'm getting a divorce. I want a divorce. I want out of this thing, right? So you better not wind up in that because you might meet this really great guy and you guys hit it off really perfectly and everything's going great, and one of you asks the other to marry you, and you get married, and two years later, he's like, man, you know what? I was thinking about this. I'm actually a straight woman. I gotta, I gotta I'm out of here. I, I'm gonna go get me some, you know, straight stud. You queen, get out of my face. So be careful, gentlemen. And you white boy Malcolm X, if you're dating again, not that anyone would, but <laughs> I'm worse. So I'm, I'm only saying that because I am in a worse situation. But hey, you know, you gentlemen out there, just just be careful. You queens out there, be careful, because that could pop up in your life at any time. From NBC News, Mexico moves closer to becoming the world's largest legal cannabis market. So a lot of high Mexicans are in our future. Mexico, and here's some pull quotes for you. 
Mexico is inching closer to becoming the world's largest legal cannabis market as lawmakers prepare to debate a proposal to legalize recreational marijuana. Former President Vicente Fox, who was on the board of global medical marijuana company Kieran Life Sciences Corporation, hmm, sounds like a, an enriching post-political life for Vicente Fox there, huh? said he sees the potential for Mexico to cash in on much-needed job creation, economic investment, and medical advancements. And I bet, Vicente, you're going to cash in as well, because how much you want to bet, folks, that he is on the board of global medical marijuana company Kieran Life Sciences Corporation for what he can do for them in Mexico as the former president. A regulated market could also help lessen the cartel violence that has become synonymous with the country, And this is a quote from Vicente Fox, who I'm sure is making huge bank on this proposal. Many great things will happen, he said. We're taking away this beautiful plant from criminals and putting it in the hands of retailers and farmers. So I guess Vicente is clearly smoking some of that stuff because he thinks the cartels are going to be like, ah, you got us. Okay, we'll give it up. We'll give up the illegal dope trade. We'll give it all to to the retailers and the farmers. You got us. Damn, damn. Next time, man. You are wrong. (laughs) Lay off the weed, Vicente. This is from Campus Reform. College course examines Jesus as non-binary. Top theologian sets the record straight. So just in that title, folks, apparently Jesus is non-binary. So Jesus Christ himself has the funky pronouns (laughs) or wants the funky pronouns. Hello, I am Jesus Christ. I am your Lord. I go by they, them. (laughs) You can't say he is risen anymore, folks. You have to say they are risen, right? So Jesus apparently has funky pronouns as well. And here are a couple of pull quotes from that. A Swarthmore College professor, of course, this is on a college campus, teaches a class based on his book, which asserts that Jesus was non-binary. Mark Wallace, who apparently can only sell books if he makes his students buy them, a religious studies professor at Swarthmore College in Swarthmore, Pennsylvania, was interviewed for an article in October about his new class, Radical Jesus, or Religion 004. Wallace teaches the course based on his latest book, When God Was a Bird. According to Swarthmore, Wallace's course includes sessions on Jesus as an animist, so Jesus is not just non-binary, alongside examinations of Jesus as a political revolutionary and non-binary in a gender sense. So folks, next time you go to church, make sure to use the proper pronouns for his Lord Jesus Christ. I only said that just to anger you atheists out there because I know you're lurking and complaining. This one, since I had bad news for the queens, right? I told you folks that if you're out there and you find some guy and you marry him and he winds up being actually a woman because he's like, yeah, I don't want the consolation prize. I want I want to be a woman hanging out with straight men. I gave you some bad news there, but here's some good news for you. And this is from Queerty. Once a month prep pill shows promising results. And we have talked about PrEP a number of times on this show because I was confused about PrEP as a pill because PrEP right now is a pill a day, right? So you take a pill a day. But if you catch HIV, HIV for most people is also just a pill a day. So I was wondering, why would you just take a pill a day so you don't have to take a pill a day, right? Because it's a wash at the end of the day. I mean, obviously you don't want HIV, but it's like you got to take this pill all the time, even if, and you got to, you know, put that to work, right? You're like, why take the pill a day if you're not going to be hoeing around, right? Oh, I don't want to be judgmental about you hoish queens, and I know who you are. But anyway, if you're out there, you're doing, <laughs> you may only have to take that pill once a month moving forward. If this comes through, I don't have a pull quote because hell, all you need to do is read the title. That's as good a news as you're going to get from that. But once a month, now you got to remember to take it once a month, right? You got to set that timer in your watch to remind you to take, oh, got to take my, my prep today so I can be a hoe the rest of the month. But you got to do that to uh, make sure that it still works for you, or then you're going to have to take a pill a day because you caught the HIV. Okay, we are done with our news quick hits. That was just a short little news quick hit segment for you because I actually have a lot more stories today. And as I promised, I teased in the first part of the podcast. We have two smoking gun stories from Florida, and we have two teacher bait stories. So already four stories in here are going to be the good stuff. But let's get through the rest of it. This is from the Washington Free Beacon. Georgetown Student Bar Association asks students to list pronouns in solidarity with transgender peers. So yet again, folks, funky pronouns are (laughs) making the news. 
Georgetown Law School Student Bar Association asked students to designate their preferred pronouns on Zoom, LinkedIn, and in their email signatures Thursday morning. And if you're wondering, folks, if they really asked or if they asked under duress of being called a transphobe, it's the second. <laughs> it's the second one, right? They don't ask anything at these schools. They just like, well, it'd be nice if you did this. But what they really mean is you better well damn do that. Get it done right now. Stop. An email obtained by the Washington Free Beacon asked law students to stand in solidarity and support of their transgender and non-binary peers by putting their pronouns and usernames for online meeting platforms and social media sites. And folks, before I even go any further, please make sure not to put in beep, bop, boop like poor Gina Carano did. You might get thrown out of school if you try to be cheeky with it. The email to students at one of the nation's top-ranked law schools also defined pronouns and explained pronoun usage as part of speech. Displaying pronouns helps to ensure that everyone, regardless of their gender identity, will be correctly addressed in class, the email states. Students who identify as their biological sex should also display their preferred pronouns to avoid isolating students who go by different pronouns, including they and z. Z-e, apparently white by Malcolm X, that is a pronoun as well. And I would say that's kind of obnoxious, but in this day and age, folks, where everyone has to have their special pronouns and their special genders, and they have to be super special with everything, it is kind of convenient to have it right there, right? Because you don't have to worry, okay, Billy's pronouns are they, them, and Sheila's pronouns are z, zay, za, and all this other crap. So it's like right there in front of you. It's like a great cheat sheet. So maybe I shouldn't criticize this, but anyway, let's dig in a little further. Students may be afraid to out themselves if they do not know their environment is supportive, the email states. When we all include our pronouns as part of our daily life, it normalizes the action of doing so. Which, quite frankly to me, is kind of obnoxious to have to keep rattling those off, but whatever, at Georgetown Law School. The five-minute gesture contributes towards a more welcoming and friendly community to all. And if you folks think that this just stayed at Georgetown, wrong. Universities in recent years have asked students and faculty to designate their preferred pronouns as a means of being more inclusive to the LGBTQ community. Harvard, Harvard University folks, which we know is rife with transphobia on all their campuses from our, we learned that in our Sunday podcast, gave students pronoun stickers to affix to name cards or clothing last spring. New York University and dozens of other schools give students the option to indicate their preferred pronouns on class rosters. And a student group for women at Georgia State University listed 10 options for pronouns, 10 white boy Malcolm X, Great Caesar's Ghost, including the masculine he, him, as well as co-cause, N-Ns, and that's E-N or E-N-S, and Z-Zir, Z-E or Z-I-R. Can you imagine Z? I go by Z-Zir. Okay, you have fun with that. I hope you people feel satisfied and all warm inside with your special pronouns and getting everyone to follow along and play game with you on that, you and all the other people that want to do this. So you're exhausting the rest of us, but I hope you feel better and sleep better at night knowing you're just a big pain in the ass. You know, I don't even know why I left this story in here. I meant to pull it out, but I, oh, well, it's here. Let's just deal with it. This is from ideas.ted.com. And here's the headline. Why saying, I don't see race at all, just makes racism worse. So, you don't mention race, white boy Malcolm X. That's why these people love to talk about it. It's all the time. Everything is about race, 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 right? It's everywhere. I don't care where you are, race is involved. And that's why, because if you're not talking about race 24-7, it just makes it worse. So you got to just yap, 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 yap about it. So I'm going to give you one little area one little nugget from this, God, this thing is like three pages of incessant leftist babble, but here's, how's this for you? We now know that colorblindness is a form of racial denial. Racial denial, white boy Malcolm X. Great Caesar's ghost again. God, you folks out there, if you're not talking about it 24-7, race, 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 you are a racial denier. That took one of the aspirations of the civil rights movement that individuals would one day not be judged by the color of their skin, but by the content of their character, and stripped it from any consideration of power, hierarchy, or structure. And if that wasn't exhausting for you folks, I could read you another three pages, but I am not. The only question I have, White Boy Malcolm X, is since it looks like we have gone from the MLK 
ideal of being judged not by the color of your skin, but by the content of your character. And in two generations, we have gone from that all the way to being judged not by the content of our character, but being judged on the color of our skin. <laughs> I wonder if MLK is spinning in his grave right about now. Poor guy. I mean, he did all that effort got assassinated to kind of push this notion of being judged not by the color of your skin, but on the content of your character. And all of today's woke leftists, all they want to be judged on is the color of their skin. And they that's it, right? That is that is all they want. So anyway, my folks, you, you leftists. And if you folks thought that this ideas.ted.com article came from a white woman, Generally, folks, it is generally from white women who want to throw other white people under the bus. No, nope. in this one instance, rare as it seems, this is from Heather McGee, and she is a capital B black person. So that is what she is complaining about today. And it is a very long rant, to put it mildly. Okay, this is from CNS News. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but writers must not bow down to the AP language police. Language is a powerful weapon in the hands of the media. Words and expressions convey ideas that reflect a culture, morality, and worldview. Liberal media has long used their position of power to change language and impose their distorted worldview upon America. You can say that again. As part of its orientation to writers, the Associated Press regularly tweets recommendations of words and expressions that writers should not use. The updated 2020 list applies to the AP Stylebook and Briefing on Media Law, a reference work first printed in 1953. English language publications widely use it as a guide for what is acceptable and politically correct. And this gives quite a few examples, but I'm going to read you just a couple of highlights on this. The AP Thought Police, for example, now recommends that the phrase committing suicide be avoided since it proves harmful in the discussion of suicide. Using the word commit is full of criminal overtones that reflect the past when suicide was illegal and known to be a grave sin against the Fifth Commandment. It conjures up images of committing murder, assault, and other crimes, which are linguistically similar constructions. This kind of reminds me of that, uh, that news article we had on Sunday, White Boom Malcolm X, where they were, those folks down in Australia were telling people not to call other people pedophiles. <laughs> Unless a doctor had clinically diagnosed them as a pedophile, you were just supposed to call them a, I don't know, a child rapist or a kitty lover <laughs> or something like that. But they had to have an official medical diagnosis of being a pedophile to call them a pedophile. <laughs> Until then, you had to call them something else. And if you're wondering, well, Miller, what would you say if you're not saying someone's committing suicide or committed suicide? Folks, the AP says, died by suicide, killed himself, or took her own life. Those are your examples. You're not allowed to say commit or committing suicide. I guess it's too triggering because it has criminal overtones, according to those woke folk over at the AP. Another AP recommendation finds fault with the common expression, the homeless. It is too harsh and dehumanizing. Writers are advised to use phrases like people without housing <laughs> or people without homes, which is, I think they call them the homeless, but I guess you're not supposed to say that anymore. Similarly, AP warns that words like crazy, insane, and nuts should not be used save in direct quotes. The reason for the change is that the words make light of serious mental health issues. So folks, do not call those people at the AP crazy or nuts or insane for doing that. But you can quote me on that, right? Because it's in quotes. And this, folks, this is actually the reason I brought this to your attention a final change in usage in the AP Stylebook is the capitalization of the word black when referring to racial categories. Since, according to the AP, black people have strongly shared historical and cultural affinities found wherever they may live worldwide, the AP reasons that it merits special recognition. Besides, the shared discrimination based on skin color is a reason to highlight the term with this arbitrary capitalization. On the contrary, the racial category white should not be capitalized since it risks subtly conveying legitimacy to the beliefs of white supremacist groups, which often capitalize the term. And so for you folks that you hear me say capital B black people, you think I'm mocking black people. I'm not. I'm actually mocking the AP style guy. 
for saying that you should capitalize the B in black, but you should not capitalize the W in white. So whenever you hear me say that, folks, oh, capital B black people, they must be real black people. I am only mocking the AP, not actual black people, capitalized or otherwise. Okay, folks, we've been teasing teacher rate stories long enough. Here you go. Here is our first of two. And remember, our two Florida smoking gun stories are back to back at the end of the podcast. So you're just going to have to wait a little bit longer on that one. This is from the New York Daily News, Arkansas woman. So yes, folks, we are going to Arkansas this time around. Arkansas woman charged with felony sex harassment is pregnant. She is pregnant, white boy Malcolm X, with 14-year-old victim's child. Uh Uh-oh. A 23-year-old woman who began sexually abusing a 13-year-old a year ago is now pregnant with the teen's child. Brittany Gray, and Brittany, folks, is B-R-I-T-T-N-I. That is a weird-ass spelling of Brittany, but we are talking Arkansas, folks. Brittany Gray of Paragould, Arkansas, was charged with one count of sexual assault in the fourth degree, a Class D felony. So, folks, in Arkansas, like Texas, if you bebop the students, if you look at that teacher bait, you're going, nom, 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 nom. want that, I want that for dinner and dessert, and you do it, you get it, that's a felony, and you're going to go, your ass is going to jail for some time. So don't do it. I keep warning you, teachers. I always say, never get a boy to do a man's job. Does anyone listen? No. Police first received a tip on February 28, 2020, from the Arkansas Child Abuse Hotline about the sexual relationship the teen was having with Gray, KAIT-TV reported. In September of that year, so seven months from the original tip to the Arkansas Child Abuse Hotline, Another tip came in. So a second tip came in from a witness who alleged they'd seen Gray and the boy having sex. So not only was she bebopping a 13-year-old, someone was enjoying the view. In January of this year, that second witness told police that the alleged victim had been in a sexual relationship with Gray for about a year. The witness stated that the alleged offender is currently pregnant with the victim's child, Detective Rhonda Thomas stated in an affidavit obtained by KAIT. Medical records have confirmed the pregnancy, KAIT said, based on video footage showing the boy and Gray entering the hospital together on a trip to the emergency room. Gray was arrested last Monday, released on $5,000 bond Thursday, and is due back in court on April 23rd. So white boy Malcolm X, I have a question for you. So, Brittany Gray, Brittany, B-R-I-T-T-N-I, Mama forgot the Y and put it in the I. Where were the police, white boy Malcolm X? Seriously, folks, where were the Arkansas police for a year on this? So, February 28th, the Arkansas Child Abuse Hotline, you know, someone dialed them up, Arkansas Child Abuse Hotline, how can I help you? And somebody said, this young lady is tapping into that teacher bee. She's got herself a 13-year-old paramour, and those two are making sweet love down by the river. <laughs> okay, thank you for calling. Thank you for calling the Arkansas Child Abuse Hotline. And so seven months later, folks, someone else watching the two of them calls the hotline again. So Arkansas Child Abuse Hotline, someone goes, I was watching this teacher bang this student, banging him good. She was loving that teacher bait. You should have seen the look on her face. And they're like, okay, thank you for calling, right? And then this year, they finally get around those dopey police officers like, well, maybe we should do something about that, right? We've got a couple of witnesses now tattletailing, calling the child abuse sex line, and nobody's doing a damn thing for a year. So no wonder she's knocked up. No one stopped her, right? That baby would not be coming into this world. That kid would not have knocked her up if the Popo and the Arkansas Child Abuse Hotline had actually been doing their job. So... Honey, Brittany, when you are in jail because you got caught because the police didn't do anything the first time, now you know why. And next time, next time when you get out of jail, do not do a teenager anymore. Never get a boy to do a man's job. I tell you what, white boy Malcolm X, man, they just cannot help themselves. They're like crystal mathematics. They just can't help themselves when they eye up that teacher bait. This is from Politico. How Biden is betting on Buttigieg to drive a new era of racial equity. So Biden is tapping that pocket queen to drive a new era of racial equity. And folks, we still don't know how short, short Pete Buttigieg is, but when we find out, and we will find out, Pete, sister, girlfriend, we will find out how short you are one of these days. 
We will let you folks know. A central plank in Creepy Uncle Joe the Hair Sniffer's agenda of improving racial equity. And folks, if you don't know what racial equity is, that is equity, equality of outcomes. That is not equality of opportunity. That is racial equity is we're going to be even. We are going to be all even and they are going to crush whatever they need to crush or whoever they need to crush to make it so. Requires dismantling or reimagining parts of America's transportation system, which has long stacked the odds against people who most rely on it to climb up the economic ladder. Black households are three times less likely to own a car than white households, meaning they lack access to the infrastructure most heavily prioritized and funded nationwide. People of color also make up a majority of transit riders and have longer commutes. And America's urban landscape is packed with examples of highways carving up black communities, and folks, those are capital B black communities, so you know they're real black communities, cutting off accessibility and spewing disproportionate amounts of pollution. This is not just a matter of halfway accidental neglect, Transportation Secretary and short queen Pete Buttigieg said in an interview. We're talking about some really intentional decisions that happened, and a lot of them happened with federal dollars. At the tip of the spear, short queen Buttigieg, who catapulted himself two years ago from a little-known mayor of Indiana's fourth largest city to a top-tier presidential candidate who ultimately endorsed Biden at a critical moment. He was rewarded with the role of running a department, get this folks, with an $87 billion budget, nearly 250 times the budget of South Bend, Indiana, which he ran for eight years, and starring role as an economic pitchman for Biden's next big act. So you want to talk about getting promoted to the level of your incompetence. This short queen got himself control of an $87 billion budget. Not that he knows how to do anything with it, but he'll figure it out. He'll probably buy a bunch of little platforms for us, so he looks taller. In two interviews with Politico since taking over, Buttigieg, who noted that he took office during Black History Month, explained how he's hoping to take an expansive and broad look at how to improve equity. It's the right moment to be looking at the equity implications of everything we do in the federal government, he said. And can you see white boy Malcolm X? Can you see that Queen Pete Buttigieg talking to Politico about being confirmed during Black History Month? <sighs> I just think it's wonderful that I was confirmed during Black History Month, right? It just shows how down for the struggle I am with capital B Black people because that confirmation happened during that whole month. And even if it was a short month, it was only 28 days. I don't know why, but, you know, as Queens, by the way, we get 30 days in June. <laughs> That's a completely separate story. But yes, I was, I was confirmed during Black History Month. So I just, I am so down for the struggle. I am so woke. Oh, so I could just see that, that silly queen bragging to Politico. It's worth noting that just in terms of the workforce of the department and careers in transportation, We've got a lot of work to do to build a more diverse and representative department and workforce, Buttigieg said. So let me translate that for you. Let's screw Whitey, <laughs> right? That's what all of that means whenever they start talking about equity. We are going to screw Whitey somehow. So if you are in a predominantly white neighborhood, look for a highway coming right down your street <laughs> here soon. And you've got... Uh, you got Mayor Pete, Secretary Pete. She's driving that steamroller, driving down, going, you're getting a highway, bitches. We're having equity around here. Well, you folks enjoy that. This is from Pink News. How's this headline? Looney Tunes Pepe Le Pew retired amid concerns he normalizes rape culture. Looney Tunes veteran Pepe Le Pew, the aggressive amorous French skunk, has been retired from Warner Brothers in the wake of criticism that the character normalizes rape culture. So a cartoon skunk apparently encourages people to rape other people. Pepe Le Pew, who alongside Bugs Bunny and Daffy Duck delighted viewers during the golden age of American animation in the 1940s, will no longer feature in any of the studio's projects moving forward, including the upcoming Space Jam 2. So folks, Pepe Le Pew has been fired they fired Pepe Le Pew. He's out of there. Done. Warner Brothers, get off our lot, you stupid skunk. Pepe Le Pew skits were almost always the same. A mishap means a black cat, usually voiceless or other than the occasional meow, now has a white stripe on them. Le Pew mistakes them for a skunk and, rather forcefully, tries to woo them. In one of the 17 original Pepe Le Pew cartoons, it ends with him chained to an unsuspecting feline, 
Now we are inseparable, are we not, darling, he says, with the last frame of the cartoon being the cat desperately trying to break the chain. Such scenes, according to the New York Times, this is Charles Blow. Oh, that bisexual is back. And folks, if you don't know what bisexual is, they will do anyone. Feed a culture of normalized rape. God. Who knew, white boy Malcolm X, that watching Pepe Le Pew cartoons would turn you into a rapist? I mean, I guess in Democrat worlds, that might be true, right? You look at like Bill Clinton there, accused by Juanita Broderick of rape. So maybe he watched Pepe Le Pew cartoons, though. And now that I think about it, Harvey Weinstein might have himself a really, really good defense because he worked in the film industry. He may have known a lot of people over at Warner Brothers. He may have had a lot of excessive exposure to Pepe Le Pew cartoons. So maybe that could be a defense, the Pepe Le Pew defense. If you rape someone, Your Honor, members of the jury, it's not really my fault. I watched Pepe Le Pew. I thought that was just normal behavior. I handcuffed myself to her and I just, boom, it happened. So watch, watch for that and now that I also think about it, White Boy Malcolm X, I wonder if if they showed these cartoons a lot in school. And I wonder, like, because I had an example, folks, back in the day, I had a teacher in elementary school, right? So she taught me in elementary school. I think she was in sixth grade. And then when I showed up in high school a couple years later, she taught me again in 11th grade. So you know, White Boy Malcolm X, if they're showing Pepe Le Pew cartoons too young children, right? And their teachers are watching it over and over and over and over again. And then those teachers go to high school to teach because they're getting a little older. They don't want to deal with the little kids anymore. They're like, hmm, I'll go teach some other kids. I'll teach some older kids. They go to high school. And all of a sudden, because they have been so exposed to Pepe Le Pew for so long, that is why they are attracted to that teacher bait because they're like, nom, 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 nom. they're thinking, ah, oh, Pepe Le Pew. Pepe Le Pew taught me how to do that. That, that could be a really good defense for you, Brittany, or any other you know, teacher bait loving teachers out there. <laughs> Pepe Le Pew made me do it. How's this headline? Uh-oh, somebody is in a lot of trouble. Straight people who don't date trans people are now calling themselves super straight. <laughs> Uh-oh, you don't do that in today's world. Of all the social movements TikTok has birthed, the new super straight movement may be the most controversial. It originated when user Kyle Royce told his TikTok followers that because so many people were calling him transphobic for not wanting to date trans women, and yes, folks, they will absolutely do that, he decided that he would identify as super straight, a sexuality for people who only want to date people born as the gender they identify with. <laughs> I tell you what, though, folks, Kyle Royce is the only TikToker to date that I just don't feel the urge to punch in the face. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm not advocating violence. I'm kidding around. But uh, yes, I like this kid. Royce's TikTok blew up immediately, racking up millions of views and millions of supporters who joined in to identify as super straight. And you folks, you are going to the front of the line to the re-education camp. A flag was created and lines were drawn as many others quickly trashed the trend as, of course, transphobic and bigoted. While super straight may have been born out of a meme, it clearly is rooted in the very real social push to label people who don't experience sexual attraction to trans people as transphobes. And folks, we have had a lot of articles about people expressing that exact sentiment and getting in a lot of trouble about it. While it may be taboo to police people's orientation when the person is gay, lesbian, or bisexual, there is a disturbing trend of people who think it's okay to tell people they must date trans people or reside to being labeled a bigot. <laughs> that is that is completely true. And I feel bad for this kid because, you know, he's, I don't know, he's young, like early 20s. People beating up on him for that. And I don't blame him. Like, if you're straight and uh, you're into women and you're into all that a woman is, the last thing you want is to have a little bit of male hardware in there somewhere. And I feel bad for God. Can you imagine, though, being a straight guy and, you know, you find this woman online, you're like, hey, let's meet up, let's grab a drink, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And you two meet up and she's there and you happen to notice through her very tight dress that there is a penis there, right? You are officially supposed to say, that works for me, right? <laughs> Even though you are a straight male and the idea of having a penis anywhere near you is like, ugh, I mean, other than your own, right? It's like, ugh, that just makes me want to puke and gag. You're not supposed to say that, right? So if you've got a, a man identifying as a woman standing in front of you in the dress and the penis is right there, you're supposed to say, mm, 
You are one sexy lady. You, ma'am, I want you in my life forever. Because if you don't, if you don't say something like that, you are labeled a bigot and a transphobe. Gosh. This is what the transgender community, that's why I call them a bunch of bullies, right? Because if you are oriented towards heterosexuality and you've got the opposite sex standing in front of you, but they identify as the same gender, you're supposed to just suck that up and just take it, right? So if a woman is in front of me and she's got the vagina and it's staring me right in the face, right? I'm supposed to look at that thing and go, yummy, yummy, give me more. (laughs) But, you know, hey, I don't really give a crap. They can call me transphobic all day long. That is not what I want. (laughs) I'm not a size queen, but that is not what I want at all. And White Boy Malcolm X, can you imagine Kyle with 10-inch London? And if you folks are like, Miller, who was 10-inch London? Folks, you need to listen to my podcast. That was on our Sunday podcast this past Sunday, and it was a story about a young gentleman. I guess he was in his early 30s, and he has a 10-inch Johnson. And he has, of course, an OnlyFans site, and there was an article about how how he just loves his 10-inch Johnson. (laughs) And can you imagine poor Kyle Royce, folks, if 10-inch London were there, and there's 10-inch London with a dress on, and that 10-inch Johnson right there, front and center, Kyle is supposed to say, yeah, that is exactly what I want right there. I'm going to double down. I'm not going for the average, which is what, I don't know, five or six inches. I want the 10-inch one. Go big or go home. (laughs) Hang in there, Kyle. You've got support here on the Miller Frost Show. Good God. I do feel bad for straight guys these days because they're going to have to take it. I mean, queens like me, I'm like, I don't care. Kiss my ass. Kiss my gay 51-year-old ass. Call me a transphobe because I don't want a vagina. But these poor straight kids that are just inundated with woke, woke, woke. They got to be woke about everything. I guarantee you, folks, there's going to be some straight kid who's going to be like, oh, crap, I got to give this girl a blowjob. <laughs> what did I get myself into? That's coming. I promise you that. This is from Blaze Media. New York Democrat wants sex ed for kindergartners. Older students could be taught about hormone blockers and pansexuals. And folks, if you don't know what a pansexual is, that's just a snooty way of saying bisexual. A Democrat New York lawmaker introduced a bill to teach comprehensive sex ed to kindergartners. Of course, the sex education will reportedly be outsourced to a left-wing organization, again, of course, that believes sex ed is a vehicle for social change, including incorporating social and racial justice messaging into their sex ed lessons. New York Senator Samra G. Brooke, a freshman Democrat from Rochester, introduced a bill to teach comprehensive sexual education in schools, including to children as young as five years old. Each public and charter school to provide students in grades kindergarten through 12 with comprehensive sexual education, the bill reads. The bill calls for comprehensive sexuality instruction for students in grades K through 12, which includes a model curricula for comprehensive sexuality education and at a minimum conforms to the content and scope of national sexuality education standards. But her proposal would legally link New York schools to the shifting recommendations of the Sexuality Information and Education Council of the United States. I bet that's a fun group in there. I guess the acronym SECUS, the New York Post reported. SECUS declares, sex ed is a vehicle for social change, full stop. SICA states that sex education can and should be so much more than that, including dismantling white supremacy. So, good God, sex education is somehow linked to white supremacy, but then again, what isn't? With sex education, we have a golden opportunity to create a culture shift, tackling the misinformation, shame, and stigma that create the basis for many of today's sexual and reproductive health and rights issues, like reproductive justice. And what do I tell you folks about whenever you see the word justice? Somebody's getting screwed. LGBTQ equality, sexual violence prevention, gender equity, and dismantling white supremacy. The Sexuality Information and Education Council of the United States proclaims comprehensive sexuality education for kindergartners lays the foundation to teach students about things like respecting personal boundaries, gender roles, and more. So you see, teaching little Timmy about all all eight gender identities, be like, Timmy? Timmy, there's not just boys and girls, right? You've got agender people, and you've got questioning people, and you've got bigender people. And Timmy's like, oh, it's a bigender person. Oh, but Timmy, that's just where they can be everything. Oh, okay, maybe I'll do that. Oh, that's fine, Timmy. You can do whatever you want. You can change it anytime you want. And if you want special pronouns, that's fine, too. You want to be a pain in the ass to your parents? That's fine, too. Coming to an elementary school near you. And if you kids want to know more about these standards by grade, 
Here you go. The National Sex Education Standards noted that by the end of the second grade, students will be able to list medically accurate names for body parts, including the genitals. And I thought that learning my times tables in third grade was hard. Man, oh man, these kids are in for it. By the conclusion of the fifth grade, students will be required to describe the role hormones play in the physical, social, cognitive, and emotional changes during adolescence and the potential role of hormone blockers on young people who identify as transgender. So your kids aren't even going through puberty, but they're going to learn about hormone blockers. By the end of the eighth grade, students will be taught how to define racism and intersectionality and describe their impacts on sexual health. Students will also be expected to define sexual identity and explain a range of identities related to sexual orientation. And folks, we know that there are seven of those, heterosexual, bisexual, lesbian, gay, queer, two-spirit, asexual, pansexual, questioning, on and on and on, blah, blah, blah. So your eighth graders are going to learn about that. And in the 12th grade, by the end of the 12th grade, students will be expected to analyze cultural and social factors such as sexism, homophobia, transphobia, racism, Ableism, classism, that can influence decisions regarding sexual behaviors. God, that's a whole lot of learning there. I tell you what, you people with little crumb crunchers out there, you people with kids, you are screwed six ways to Sunday, especially you folks in New York. You are screwed all over the place. I don't know how you're not screwed, but uh, that is coming to a, a classroom near you. And if you think that's stopping in New York, you are wrong. White Boy Malcolm X, we are almost done, sir. And folks, if you have been keeping tabs, you know that we only have one teacher bait and two smoking gun stories left in today's podcast. And I know you all have been sitting on the edge of your seats. So let's go ahead and tackle these. Female school teacher allegedly used Celine Dion Savage Garden songs to seduce boy 13 and was caught in bed. God. And right off the bat, White Boy Malcolm X, if a woman is using Celine Dion and Savage Garden songs to seduce a boy, is it safe to assume that she thinks he is a little queen? (laughs) I don't know how you seduce a straight man or a straight boy with Celine Dion. Apparently, apparently it is successful in certain cases. So let's dig in on this. A former student in Queensland, Australia, so even the Aussies, are doing their students, is now suing his teacher from a prestigious boarding school for $1 million. This kid, he got laid and he is making her pay. God. The student claims that he was seduced by the adult teacher who was in her mid-20s at the time when he was just 13 years old. The student, who is now an adult, man, he took his good old sweet time getting that $1 million lawsuit, filed, didn't he? according to reports, claims that he was just 13 years old when an adult female teacher took an interest in him at the private boarding school. The suit alleges that the teacher spent hours alone with the teenage boy, gradually seducing him into a sexual relationship. She even spent several hours alone with the boy in her classroom under the pretext of private tutoring lessons and reportedly also in her house and car, the Supreme Court lawsuit alleges, according to the latest reports. Attorney for the plaintiff, Brian Dooley, said that the court would hear the private boarding school student's relationship with the teacher started with touching and kissing and ultimately led to oral sex and sexual intercourse. And he wants to get paid. She's doing all the work. According to reports, the man was from a remote country town and had just been boarding in grade eight at the Toowoomba School. Upon joining, he was overwhelmed by the size and strict rules when the adult teacher took an interest in his 13-year-old self. She allegedly used songs from Celine Dion and Savage Garden. And again, I ask, did she think he was a little queen or what? When seducing him in her intimate notes to the young boy. Eventually, the parents would find the intimate notes the couple had shared. These letters from the defendant included comments like her thinking about the boy throughout the entire day. When these letters were brought in a complaint with the school, it prompted the teacher to resign, ending the relationship. They noticed a string of inappropriate behaviors, particularly noteworthy being the time that the boy's father spotted them touching when he would attend his son's sports matches. According to the latest reports, on one occasion she asked to visit the boy on his family's farm, Dooley told the court in his opening remark. Adding that the plaintiff's mother would present evidence that she thought the request to see his home base was strange, 
but agree because she was reportedly glad that the child was receiving personal attention. The father will tell you he said he was surprised about the manner or dress of the defendant when they arrived. She was dressed like a teenager, Dooley reportedly said. The next morning, the mother walked into them giggling and lying on the bed. She went in there and found them in their pajamas lying on the bed, joking and laughing and playing, which then, having been discovered like that, the defendant quickly went away and dressed and returned. When the parents discovered the letters, that was, Dooley said, the final straw. So this kid gets banged by the teacher. She's giving him blowjobs. She's letting him have sex with her, having all sorts of fun. The parents kind of noticed something was off, right? The father's like, man, that teacher is touching my boy a bit too much. Doesn't do anything about it, right? They let her, like, come over and hang <laughs> at the house. She's dressing like a little teenage tramp. Nothing strange there, right? But, uh, yeah, years and years and years later, kid's like, she gave me a blowjob and I wanted to give me a million dollars, too. <laughs> I don't know if a teacher in Australia has a million dollars, but I guess he is going for that bank regardless. Well, good luck, kid. I hope that was worth it. A million dollars. Good God. <laughs> Why don't you go ask for a billion, kid? Don't be cheap. Okay, here is our first smoking gun story. Is that a Glock in your pocket, young man? And for you liberals out there, a Glock is a firearm. So I just want to give you a trigger warning that we will be discussing armed handguns in this story. So don't be like, oh, I'm so scared. Just, you know, I'm just letting you know. Trigger warning has been activated. It was when the police pat-down reached his groin region that Michael Phillips offered an explanation for the hard item in his underwear. That's my dick, the 20-year-old Florida man told a deputy with the Pinellas County Sheriff's Office. <laughs> well, that's original. But it was not, in fact, Phillips' dick, according to an arrest report. Phillips, who was the passenger in a stolen 2015 Chevrolet Equinox, white boy Malcolm X, who the hell... Only a Floridian would steal a 2015 Chevrolet Equinox. What a piece of crap. Whoever stole that damn thing, find something better next time. That got pulled over Saturday night in St. Petersburg, was actually packing a Glock 23, holding a magazine with 22 rounds. Man, he was going to party. According to the gun's manufacturer, the Glock has a 4-inch barrel and an overall length of 7.36 inches, and I only mention that because I know I got some size queens out there going, how big was his Glock? His Glock is 7.36. <laughs> you size queens out there, enjoy that. After being read his rights, Phillips reportedly caught to owning the gun in his drawers. Phillips said he received the Glock as a gift and carried the semi-automatic pistol for protection. In addition to the magazine in the gun, Phillips was also in possession of a second magazine holding 23 Round. So this kid was running around with 45 bullets, man. He was definitely ready to party. Phillips was arrested for illegally carrying a concealed firearm. A felony. Holy crap, white boy Malcolm X. That is a felony to carry a concealed weapon. And we literally, folks, literally had a story a couple months ago about a 20-year-old. And he was in Florida, of course, and he was driving drunk and he had a loaded AR-15 on him, but it was not concealed, right? He had it out on the dashboard, <laughs> driving drunk. And they gave him, they arrested him for right, driving drunk, drunk under the age and carrying a loaded AR-15, but they were all misdemeanors, right? So this guy had only not tried to do the dick thing. He could have just had it out on his lap. It would have been a misdemeanor, but now he is looking at a felony. Stupid kid. He was released yesterday from the county jail on his own recognizance. The vehicle's driver, Kylie Lynn Bartley, 19, remains behind bars. She has been charged, so it's a woman. A woman car thief was like, mm, that is a really nice 2015 Chevrolet Equinox. I gotta get my hands on one of those. I think I'm taking that one. Come on, dick man. <laughs> she has been charged with Grand Theft Auto, a felony there. Man, I didn't know a, stealing a car in Florida was a felony. And several misdemeanor counts. <laughs> there you go, folks. If you have a loaded Glock in your pants, and it is literally a loaded Glock in your pants, do not try to fool the Pinellas County Sheriff's Department because they will know it is not really your dick. And here we go. I hope this has been worth the wait. Psych eval for accused stuffed doll assailant. 
A judge today ordered a psychological evaluation to help determine the competency of a Florida man charged with having sexual contact with a pair of large stuffed animals at a Target store court record show. So yes, folks, this guy was defiling stuffed animals in a Target during a circuit court. And folks, if you don't know what a Target is, that is a Target in a gay area of town. So, so when I lived uh, lived in L.A., there was the Target because it was right by West Hollywood. All the queens went there, so that was the Target. But, you know, a normal Target is just a normal Target. During a circuit court hearing this afternoon, Judge Kathy Ann McKitten appointed a psychologist to examine Cody Meter, 22, who has been charged with criminal mischief and exposure of sexual organs, both misdemeanors. <laughs> so, he didn't even keep it in his pants it was a misdemeanor. That poor other kid kept it in his pants, even though it was a gun, and he got a felony. A further hearing on Meter's ability to stand trial has been scheduled for next month. And folks, before I read this next part, if you have a sensitivity, we'll do a quick trigger warning. If you have a sensitivity to young men defiling stuffed animals, you just want to shut the podcast off at this point. Don't even continue because there's a whole lot of that going on. I'm just saying. So just go ahead and shut it off if you're interested. And I know you queens out there are. You're like, hmm, how can I do that? We're getting there. Hold on. As detailed in police and court records, a target loss prevention officer told, God, bless this guy's heart, told cops that he watched as Meter took a stuffed unicorn to the children's bedding department, where he exposed himself and took the unicorn and placed it against his penis and began a sexual motion like the subject was trying to have sex with the unicorn. The target employee said that when he walked into the aisle where Meter was, the suspect stopped and placed the unicorn back on the shelf. I'm not doing that. Meter wearing shorts and a Star Wars t-shirt. So this kid, what, 22? He's wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. $10, white boy Malcolm X. He lives in his mother's basement. Then went to the front of the St. Petersburg store and picked up an Olaf Snowman stuffed animal and began having sex with this stuffed animal. And it was all on video, according to the Target worker's witness statement. The subject finished having sex with the stuffed animal and ejaculated on it and then wiped it off. <laughs> While Meter was engaged with the Olaf doll, police were already en route to the store, so nobody apparently stopped this guy. Hey, quit humping the Olaf doll. Get out of here, you pervert. They just kept watching it. So I don't know what kind of people work in a Target store in Florida. While Meter was engaged with the Olaf doll, police were already en route to the store, which is about 10 miles from the defendant's residence. A store surveillance camera recorded Meter's interaction with Olaf, a character from the Disney movie Frozen. So White Boy Malcolm X, I do have a quick question before we continue. So Cody Meter, 22, he drives 10 miles, right? Make sure I got this story right. He just gets in his car and he drives 10 miles and he goes to the Target and he goes and first thing he gets, because he's horny, he wants to get off. So he wants to go get off on a stuffed animal. So the first thing he gets is a unicorn. <laughs> he gets a unicorn and he's humping that thing, and then they see him, and then he's like, ah, uh, puts the unicorn down, and then he goes and gets an Olaf Snowman doll, correct? Okay, that's what I thought. Question I have is, if he's humping a unicorn, and he's humping a male snowman, right? Because that is what uh, Olaf is, if you're wondering, Olaf is from that uh, that movie Frozen, right? <laughs> he's humping a unicorn and a frozen snowman, right? So is he gay? You think this is like some weird queen with some fetish for unicorns and snowmen? I don't know. That was just... You think so? I, I think he is a member of the tribe, unfortunately. We got enough weirdos, but now we got Cody Meter, the stuffed animal humper. $10 says he is a big old queen. After watching the video, which no doubt they enjoyed, a cop reported that Meter could be seen on top of the Olaf doll behind the table display. He was face down and appearing to be humping the doll. When Meter was finished, the cop added, he got up off the floor and wiped the doll off on the front of his shorts. Upon being read his rights, Meter admitted to doing stupid stuff and admitted that he had nutted. <laughs> God, I can't believe I'm reading that word. On the Olaf stuffed animal, according to an arrest affidavit, police photographed both stuffed animals before the merchandise was destroyed due to circumstances. And folks, if you haven't figured out what the circumstances are at this point, it's... Uh, you know, some 22-year-old queen, dry humping. Well, I ain't dry humping. <laughs> damn well screwed the damn thing. Humping some stuffed animals in a target. Gosh. I would want to burn those things too. 
If Meter's case proceeds to trial, prosecutors have said they will seek to introduce evidence showing that the target incident was not the first time he engaged in such illicit activity. Years earlier, police were called to a Walmart in Clearwater to formally trespass Meter from the store. A loss prevention officer told officers that Meter, then a juvenile, was performing sexual acts with stuffed animals located in the store, according to a Clearwater Police Department report. So just like the kid that took the uh, the lingerie and the sex toys to the car dealership and was doing himself all sorts of weird stuff to himself at a car dealership, and just like the young kid who was masturbating in a, uh, a Walmart parking lot, what I said was, in both cases, it was the location, which is where they were getting off, not the act of getting off, right? So the one guy just liked getting off in his car in public, right? He could have driven that car anywhere and done it in private, but no, he did it right there in the front of a Walmart. The other kid could have you know, taken his, you know, lacy panties or his whatever on and his dildo and done whatever he wanted to, wherever he wanted to. But no, he, he chose a car lot of new cars to defile himself. But this guy, this kid, not only does he like doing stuffed animals, which he could do at the privacy of his own home, he could do it anywhere, right? He could uh, do it in his car, drive the car around the back of the Target and do it behind there. No one, no one knows what's going on back there, right? But uh, no, he does it in the store around people. So I think the sexual fetish there is he likes people to watch. And apparently the folks at Target were enjoying that and watching him on camera and watching him doing that live. You uh, you people in Florida, you have a merry band of sex perverts. <laughs> wherever you go, wherever you turn, there are perverts defiling themselves in public out there. So you guys got to keep your eyes, you guys, you gals, you non-binary people, you really got to keep your eyes out in the state of Florida and watch out that you don't have any more perverts around you when you're doing your shopping. <laughs> and on that note, since I cannot top a kid topping an Olaf doll and nutting on an Olaf doll, we're going to go ahead and plug pull this podcast. Folks, thank you so much for coming by this Wednesday podcast on the Miller Frost Show. Remember, you can get hold of me via email, miller at millerfrostonline.com. And my parlor handle is at millerfrost. Here, as always, with White Boy Malcolm X. Have a great rest of your week, a great start to your weekend, and we will see you back here again next Sunday. In the meantime, take care. (laughs) 